and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith, and uh, today we are not joined by the incredible Sebastian Plant. He is in the Netherlands, uh, currently uh, having a vacation, which is very well deserved after quite a while. But I have someone here on the line who I am very excited to have a conversation with. I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, Helen Kennedy, the Executive Director of ECAL Canada, on a few occasions, and I am thrilled that you are able to join us uh, today. And uh, are you there, Helen? I am, Luke, and it's great to uh, to reconnect with you. It's been a while, too long, for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm... I'm I'm glad that we were able to to make this conversation happen, and uh, it's certainly an interesting. It seems like Egal Canada has had a bit of a Tucker Carlson inspired roller coaster over the last little <laughs> while. Um, why don't we, for our listeners' sake, actually start off with uh, what is Egal Canada, and and you know the, what what is some of the work that you do? I'm I'm obviously familiar with your work, but I think for our the average listener this might be a new organization to them. Sure. Um, EGAL is Canada's 2S LGBTQI human rights organization. Uh, we have been in existence in Canada now since 1986. Um, predominantly in the initial stages of the organization's uh, history, we were very much involved in litigation. But certainly post-marriage, we have um, diversified our work and now we are very heavily engaged in research, education, um, awareness, and legal advocacy. So we uh, do work here in Canada and also internationally. Excellent. I mean, I've been incredibly proud of your work for, for many years. Uh, I believe, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, you've done training with uh, various police departments uh, across the country and uh, lots of incredible other educational work. So it comes as little surprise then that uh, your advocacy extends to the CRTC, the Canadian Radio Telecommunications Commission, for those who are not familiar. Um, I'm referring here to an open letter that you recently sent on April 4th to the uh, Vicky Eatreds, the chairperson and CEO of uh, the CRTC. She's actually brand new in her job. I don't know if you were aware of that. I think she's barely got the seat warm. Um, I know. Over yes, there. that's very true. Yeah. And uh, this is a it's it's a big it's a big deal. So what inspired you to send uh, Commissioner? Uh, sorry, Chairperson Leitrid, the, the this open letter. Well, we have seen an increase in anti-trans hatred and violence over the course of the last few months. Um, it, it has always been there permeating under the surface, but certainly recently, in recent months, with um, various legislation that's now being introduced in the U.S., it's permeating into uh, Canada and across the border. So we have been doing a lot of work around the anti um, uh, the anti drag story time uh, demonstrations, and in in addition to that, we have written an open letter to uh, municipalities and all levels of government to address this uh, hatred that is cropping up across the country. Uh, specifically, I believe there's over six jurisdictions across the country that have now cancelled 
um, <clears throat> drag story times in libraries and community centers. And so we wrote this open letter, uh, and unbeknownst to us, it was part of a feature on Fox News. On, I believe it was March 28th. Uh, they highlighted this letter as part of another story, uh, which was really, I think, malicious and misinformed and labeling the trans community as violent and dangerous. And so that uh, prompted us, and, and literally we, we didn't know that we were part of the Fox News piece until our social media channels and our phone and our emails were just absolutely swamped with hatred and um, some pretty nasty um, hate. And so that's what prompted us to have a look at the piece and then, you know, do some research and see what we could do in Canada from a Canadian perspective to respond in some way to hold Fox News accountable mm. for this piece. And that's what prompted the letter to the CRTC. Well, I, I think I'm going to just take a, a quick pause here because I did, I did uh, sit and in, um, uh, watch the piece by Tucker Carlson. And I'm going to start off with, it definitely included a, uh, some of the, some of the statement by, um, a member of provincial parliament, uh, long time around the proposed NDP legislation. I think it's NDP legislation to create essentially these, uh, bubbles around drag events to kind of create safer environments. Now, last week on the show here at uh, CanQueer, myself and uh, Sebastian debated whether or not this legislative solution is the best solution to this specific problem. And I think that there is certainly going to be uh, some conversation around that. You know, is this uh, a round peg in a square hole or is this the, the the best solution? But the way that that was presented in, this, in the segment by Tucker Carlson made it sound like anyone who remotely disagrees uh, I'm going to be rounded up by uh, the RCMP on horseback and, uh, you know, tossed in jail at a moment's notice. Um, that was not the same takeaway that myself and Sebastian had last week. Far more aware of the fact that private members' bills don't, uh, don't always, uh, if often at all, actually become law. So that segment where I think you were bundled in... Um, Really, I mean, to say stretched the truth or omitted key information would be an understatement. And I just want to zoom in on the open letter that uh, got got caught up by uh, Tucker Carlson's here and the recommendations that are so incendiary that have really raised the ire here. And uh, they include involved 2SLGBTQI and other community organizations in the implementation strategy for the LGBTQ action plan. Now, if that isn't the most outrageous statement I have ever read, uh, I don't know what is. And I think I bring that up in a, in a bit of a satirical fashion here to indicate that your letter, your, your open letter, really is just guidance. It's community engagement. It's, you know, it's really basic things that uh, municipalities and the federal government can use as uh, where do we go next sort of roadmap. It seems like this certainly came as a surprise that such an innocuous open letter caused such a, a, a backlash. How did you, uh, how did you react when you, when you're 
uh, phone lines and emails uh, blew up over this. Well, I mean, you're you're right. Um, <clears throat> I think that our our letter was very tempered in terms of our request to various levels of government to to do something about this. We asked that uh, existing municipal bylaws for right of passage on sidewalks be upheld. Uh, because currently when demonstrations are taking place against drag story time, the sidewalks are often blocked into public facilities. And so, you know, we know that municipalities already have legislation in place, uh, and it's just a matter of enforcing existing laws to allow people access uh, freely without being harassed. And so... We didn't think that there was anything outrageous about that. And I guess, you know, from Tucker Carlson's perspective, the issue, and I don't want to conflate drag with trans, they're mm-hmm. two very, very different conversations. Yeah. But this is uh, one of the things that has sparked um, the the response from Fox News. And our subsequent letter to the CRTC is basically calling the CRTC's attention to this what we believe to be violent rhetoric against trans people and inciting violence against trans people uh, and to hold them accountable and to take them off the airwaves in Canada. Currently in Canada, Fox News is packaged with other stations. And so you it's not like you're, you're picking the package, or maybe some people are, I don't know, um, just for Fox News. So you, you're... In many instances, you're stuck with Fox News as part of the whole package that you're getting as part of your cable network. And so what we're saying is, you know, CRTC, you need to have a look at this. We need to have public consultations around the the rhetoric and the kind of rhetoric that we allow in this country. And Fox News needs to be held accountable and to the same standard and responsibilities as Canadian broadcasters, and this is what we feel is uh, is not okay. Yeah, I think that that's you know that's what really piqued my interest with this particular uh, story that came to our attention. You know, these packages they are selling Canadian advertising in between these segments for a Canadian audience, uh, generating Canadian revenue for the. Uh, the the large tel- uh, uh, television broadcasters that are packaging this show in. So, you know, there's Canadian dollars, Canadian money being spent and, and put into this. And likewise, I think there is an expectation that the material being put out complies with the Broadcasting Act and the uh, radio regulations and the broadcasting regulations as they pertain. You know, here at CIUT, we are subject to broadcasting at a high standard. Uh, we cannot broadcast uh, content that uh, disparages people based on protected grounds and to the Canadian Human Rights Code, which includes gender identity and gender expression. Um, I'm sure you recall, I think it was Bill C-18 or, uh, that, uh, that uh, enshrined that in law um, Wow, that must have been like four or five years ago now. That's right. Adding gender identity and gender expression. So what what jumps out at me here is this letter seems to serve as a reminder that in Canada, Fox News uh, and these segments need to play by Canadian rules. Yes, for sure. I mean, we can't have one standard for Canadian broadcasters and a completely, you know, a completely different standard or no standard 
at all for international broadcasters. Uh, and especially when the viewer is not given the choice. So we feel that it's really incumbent upon the CRTC to to have a look at the licensing standards. And if you know, even if they want to continue to allow Fox to broadcast in Canada, well, then take them out of the, the, the package and let people sign up separately if they want to only see Fox News. We'll pay a separate fee and just see Fox News. But why should other folks who don't want to ever watch Fox News be subjected to it uh, and have to uh, indirectly pay for it as part of their package? Mm-hmm. Now, you you point to a very specific section of the broadcast regulations here, and I'm just going to... Uh, our regular listeners know I like to read things uh, extensively, which maybe not might be not the most exciting thing, but here we go. Uh, you quote uh, Regulations 5B under the broadcast uh, television broadcast regulations, and I'll, I'll read it here. Any abusive comment or abusive pictorial representation that, when taken in context tends to always likely to expose an individual or a group or a class of individuals to hatred or contempt on the base of race, national or ethnic origin, color, religion, sex, sec- uh, sexual orientation, age, mental or physical disability. Now, from what you've told me earlier, uh, I believe that you would be an individual or a group <laughs> that has certainly... Um, you know, being exposed to hatred and contempt on the basis of sex here. Do you do you think the CRTC is going to take this seriously? I should hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, we know that they're lagging in uh, behind other federal laws in that it's especially the uh, Canadian Human Rights Act in that they haven't explicitly said gender identity and gender expression. However, they're a federal tribunal, and uh, they would, of course, have to consider gender identity and gender expression to be protected under this section of the Television Broadcasting Act. Um, And regardless of whether or not it's explicitly named, I don't think there's a debate here as to whether or not gender identity and gender expression are included. We know it's included. The CRTC knows it's included. uh, And I think that they're just lagging behind in updating their um, their public standards. No, absolutely. I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. The Broadcasting Act, I think, was uh, late 80s when it was last updated. And then the regulations are uh, not quite as old as the 80s, but they're certainly decades uh, decades old. Um, but, you know, you, you're, you're spot on that this understanding is very much read in. I think what is perhaps concerning, and I know that uh, there's a uh, Tucker Carlson is doing a special on Canada um, that's being released, I think, this week at some point. Um, and, of course, I'm sure you're aware of the backlash that was uh, fermented against uh, Faye Johnson's participation in the Hershey Canada's uh, Women's uh, Day chocolate bar release. Mm-hmm. Um, are you concerned, from a Canadian perspective, at the ire of some of these rather extreme individuals, uh, not not saying Tucker Carlson is extreme, but those who are calling in bomb threats following his segments certainly count as extreme. Are you concerned that uh, the ire and the attention on Canada and our generally far more progressive legal structure 
uh, could have impact on LGBT rights here in Canada? Uh, absolutely. We, we've we already seen and, you know, we've known over the course of the years that um, even though the, the hatred uh, and the incitement of violence in Canada is not as overt as it has become in the U.S., we know that there's an undercurrent and we see it uh, regularly. We know that um, there's been an, uh, a 64% increase in hate-reported incidents, um, police-reported incidents against the LGBTI community in the last two years. That's, that's a significant increase, mm. and that's here in Canada. So whether or not that's because of U.S. influence, who knows? But I certainly feel that um, with the number, uh, the increase in uh, legislative bills and um, rhetoric in the U.S., it is filtering across the border. But we're we're not immune ourselves as a society to this type of uh, rhetoric. And we can't always point to other jurisdictions and say, oh, it's because of X. Mm. No, it's because of a lack of education in our own country. We have to take responsibility for our own um, society and the response of our own people to these issues. And I, I firmly believe that the education system in Canada is sadly lacking uh, when it comes to um, to SLGBTI people being included in the curriculum, uh, talking about families, talking about gender, talking about non-binary people, looking through history and looking at our education system through an intersectional lens. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't have the political will in many jurisdictions across the country to take a serious look at our curriculum, to be more inclusive. And I think once we start doing that, we will start to see a shift in the culture. Uh, but certainly I think, you know, we're, as Canadians, we're not immune to, to racism, sexism, hatred, anti-trans violence. Uh, and I don't always like to point fingers at other jurisdictions and say it's because of you that this is why it's happening in Canada. But we need to take responsibility for our own um lack of engagement in these conversations. No, absolutely. I mean, we've we've spoken, uh, we spoke last week actually of the, I think it was two or three hundred people who showed up at the Ottawa Canton District School Board's uh, meeting, uh, which ostensibly was to talk about, I think, their budget and ended up talking about access to washrooms in uh, schools, uh, knowing, of course, that Ontario, under the Ontario Human Rights Code, um, access for uh, students on how they identify is uh, is already in place. It seems like there is a disconnect between where uh, case law and uh, legislation and the protections enshrined are in Canada and people's perceptions of that. I think the Ottawa Carlton uh, District School Board's case really highlights that. There's sort of fundamental misunderstanding that people think that we are maybe in the same legal uh, framework as uh, our American counterparts. Do you find that that's a struggle to kind of remind folks or, or, or raise that educational point as to the protections that are in place in Canada? Well, I, I would say that people don't really know what is a protected ground um, and what isn't. And it's not really until you need it that mm. you understand it. Um, it's not something that's thought as part of the curriculum. Not everybody has access to uh, pursue 
legal route, for, for example, if they are being discriminated against because it's, it's expensive emotionally and financially. And so it's really there's a lack of understanding and knowledge, uh, general knowledge around your, your legal rights. Um, and I think that we could do a better job of educating everybody on, on issues around, like people just don't pay attention until they need it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but people get on with their daily lives. And it isn't until something like this pops up that, um, that folks start to pay a little more attention. I mean, you just have to look at the turnout in municipal elections um, to know the amount of apathy that um, that people have when it comes to local politics. And a lot of these, especially in school boards, a lot of these decisions are made by school trustees. And uh, sometimes they're made, well, a lot of times they're made for political reasons and political opportunism as opposed to doing the right thing. Yeah, it's definitely a, a bottom of the ballot uh, uh, question here. And, and I think we've seen trends of... Uh, well, in in the states, there's been trends of uh, bottom ballots um, picking up a bit more attention than they did in the past. I want to pick up on something you said because I don't want this subtlety to get lost. And I know that uh, your letter to the CRTC has probably already been picked up by other media. But one of the things that you noted earlier, and I want to kind of come back to it, is you're not necessarily calling for the CRTC to ban or drop uh, Fox News here in Canada, but rather uh, accountability and, and the ability to opt out of it in a package. Is that correct? Well, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that they need to be held responsible and accountable for what they purport to be news. And are they, in fact, a news channel? Well, if they are a news channel, then they should be more objective and they should be adhering to the same broadcasting standards as our Canadian broadcasters mm-hmm. um, are held. And so ultimately, based on, on what they have said as part of their, um, their March um, uh, piece, I would ask the CRTC, to look and, and make a ruling, is this in fact something that we want to continue to hear on the airwaves in Canada? Should they be pulled? This is a, a decision that the CRT is going to have to, to make. Have they crossed the threshold? Are they inciting violence? Are they encouraging people to uh, incite violence against trans folk? Mm-hmm. We believe that the peace crosses the line. And we believe that, in fact, they are. And, you know, the rhetoric in the piece would indicate to us that they are hoping um, to basically maliciously malign uh, trans folk. And that, to us, is not okay. So if the CRT decides to pull Fox News from Canadian um, airwaves, you would not get a complaint from me. <laughs> well, I think it's worth noting that uh, under the Broadcasting Act, it is 
uh, illegal to broadcast uh, false news. So that mm-hmm. is that is very much in there. For example, uh, Cancrea, the show that we are right now, uh, is not a news show, but rather a uh, current affairs commentary show. And we make that distinction specifically because we don't... Uh, break news per se we generally provide context and comment on it so there is definitely space for differing opinions for different perspectives but i think it's important that they are signposted so that people are aware and and don't go into it with uh, with misconceptions um i personally have no love lost for uh, news international and the the fox brand particularly after uh, growing up in britain and the Levinson inquiry with uh, Judge Levinson's uh, investigation into the phone hacking scandal and uh, a multitude of other law-breaking done by News International's uh, papers there in the UK. It's the same Murdoch-owned company that owns Fox News in the United States. So they're abiding by the law <laughs> a track record internationally is maybe not the best it could be for a news organization. Um, but we'll see. I don't. Know, I I I will keep an eye and see how the CRTC responds to your responds to your letter. Um, before we let you go, because I think I would like to kind of get your perspective on this, and maybe share with us why you feel this is the best approach. And this is going back to your um, your first open letter that you put out on the 28th, the one that seems to have caused a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle, as they say. And that, that I'm specifically looking at your recommendation to municipal governments uh, using the authority to pass bylaws uh, 2A. I don't know if you have it handy. And I'll just read it out here. Enact a buffer zone for anti-2S LGBTQI protests that keep them at least 100 metres away from 2S LGBTQI community spaces and events. Why do you feel that uh, a drag story time or a uh, drag show requires a 100-meter buffer? Sorry, did you say why do I feel that that? Well, I think it's become very obvious based on some of the drag show uh, story times that have tried to, to run in various jurisdictions across the country in the last four or five months that they're not safe spaces anymore and that parents can no longer safely bring their children into a venue um, for some entertainment without mm. being harassed and yelled at. Um, also, people who are opposed to the drag story time are actually in the space yelling and screaming um, and just generally making the space really unsafe. And so, uh, you know, no one is saying that you don't have the right to protest. You have the right to protest, but do it in a way that that is not going to make um, people feel unsafe. And I think that the buffer zone is a, a really good way of addressing that. Sure, protest, but you have to be a certain distance from the space so people who want to attend can can do so and feel safe doing so, especially when they're bringing their children for um, an afternoon or an evening or morning of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think of when I uh, worked for the auto police as the GLBTQ liaison. And one of the things that came up whilst I was in that role, a civilian role, it was that uh, there was a drag event and somebody went in, disrupted it, 
and the police didn't necessarily have the guidance to know whether or not they could evict somebody from inside an event who was causing a disruption. It was that that lack of clarity that really caused an issue as well. Do you think that some of these measures would, at the very least, give the police and enforcement agencies a, a bit of a, a guardrails that they can more clearly see? Well, I mean, any of these legis- legislative um, uh, I, anything that is that needs to be enforced or adhered to. It's the same with the municipal right-of-way on the sidewalks. If the bylaw officers don't know that this exists, they don't know to enforce it. I would expect that folks in these positions know, would know what their job responsibilities are, and I would expect the same of police uh, enforcement. They should know, there should be clarity, there should be clear lines of communication between um, the various jurisdictions and the cities that uh, oversee police services. And I would think that it would be a pretty sad state of affairs if the police don't know what they're supposed to enforce and how they're supposed to enforce it. So, But it is, you know, about communicating um, and letting the police services know that there is a particular law here and you need to enforce it and you need to extract these folks who are uh, basically threatening uh and anyone i don't care what the law says anyone who's threatening another person i would anticipate that the police would respond to that Mm -hmm. i think that uh that speaks to a point that sebastian made before is that uh, you know a lot of in particular we were discussing the proposed ontario law Uh, a lot of these things are covered by existing laws but i wonder if crystallizing that information um, is where the benefit here lies because you know there are hundreds of laws on the books it, I, uh, I I personally don't have the faith in, in every individual police officer to know all of them um, but uh, I think that this has been a very interesting conversation thank you for taking the time to, to chat with us and and exploring this topic with our with our listeners here today um, you know it, do you have any uh, closing comments that you'd like to share No, I just really appreciate the opportunity to get the word out about uh, the work and the importance of um, having folks engaged in the conversation. And I really do thank you for um, thank you for for highlighting this topic today. Excellent. Thank you so much. We're going to jump to Of Womankind by Feist, and we will be back just after this. Fuck a bird. 
Creation power grows, God only knows. We'll deconstruct construction noise of cherry lip and uniform the hubris that the humans wore. Our body is a corporation. I believe we're all the fools. Welcome back to Cancria, home of Canada's Crea Media. I am on my own today as Sebastian is frolicking amongst the tulips in the Netherlands. I asked him if he was going to Holland and uh, I was both correct and incorrect as he was going to the province of Holland in the Netherlands. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's unnecessary details for our listeners, but uh, he is having fun frolicking amongst the tulips whilst I am holding down the fort. Now, we do have a number of updates on stories that we've mentioned previously on Cancria. I think very often uh, things arise in the news and there's a, a moment of headline attention and things very frequently get lost after that. One thing that came up is a California man, Jeremy Hansen, had pled guilty to interstate transmissions in terms of uttering threats. Now, this is the man who had uttered threats against the dictionary. Now, this caused quite uh, a few raised eyebrows at the time, as who would threaten the dictionary. Um, but uh, short of a book ban, that is exactly what's happened. Merriam-Webster, Inc., in, I think it was 2022, updated their definitions of uh, genders and sex to reflect the more recent common use of those words 
uh, around trans identity, gender nonconformity, and and trans folks, essentially recognizing the fact that how people in society are currently using the term includes uh, definitions of this. Um, I'm going to try and see if I can pull up um, Merriam-Webster's definition here. Actually, I'll get to that in just a second. But Jeremy Hansen um, had... His, his, his defense uh, argued that he had some, some mental health concerns. He had uttered threats to the governor of California, the mayor of New York, uh, a New York rabbi, as well as Disney. But it led to a point where Merriam-Webster very much believed that their operations were at risk. Now, earlier in the conversation we had with Helen Kennedy, the executive director of EGAL Canada, uh, she also noted that... Um, a lot of vitriol had been directed at Egal Canada. Now, I'm going to read some of the threat that uh, Mr. Hansen uh, placed. I'm going to be, keep it just a, a small tweak to give you a sense of uh, the, the vitriol here. He wrote that the headquarters should be shot up and bombed. It's sickening that you've caved to the cultural Marxist, anti-science, uh, expletive agenda. Um, he has been sentenced to one year in prison. So that is the conclusion of that story. And I think it's important that we we capture these updates where, uh, you know, th these outrageous statements, threats against the dictionary, for example, is a break, is a breach of the law. And uh, then they are consequently held accountable to it. Our listeners may have also seen that Bud Light sent a very popular trans, openly trans uh, content creator, the TikToker Dylan Mulvaney, a individualized branded Bud Light can. Now, I, my understanding is that Bud Light sent a number of these to a number of people, and people were absolutely outraged that, uh, that a trans person had an individualized can from Bud Light. I think the singer Kid Rock uh, filmed himself shooting Bud Light cans, and uh, several organizations have caused uh, have called for a boycott. Um, in unrelated news, shares of Anheuser-Busch, the overall owner of Bud Light, have been uh, at now at a 52-week high. And I think one of the things that I saw coming out of this debate, and I think Jack Daniels also got into the news for a, uh, a video I think they released several years ago that seems to have recently resurfaced that people are now calling to boycott Jack Daniels. You know, th the thing about <laughs> Bud Lights that really jumped to my attention as this story was unbreaking and, and uh, really hitting the fore was Bud Light's move here in targeting Dil Mulvaney and the next younger generation it is demonstrating to the next generation of drinkers that this is a company that is uh, on their side. And in terms of marketing, it was quite a clever move because, you know, all of these uh, these younger folks who are becoming to be of drinking age are looking at what brands are worth uh, spending their money on. And uh, as folks know, Brand loyalty starts when you're when you're younger. So 
the fact that Bud Light and, and uh, the father company is now at a 52-week high in terms of the shares, despite the backlash against them, uh, is not a huge, uh, huge surprise to myself. Sticking to the United States for a second, we were a little bit concerned that, well, we were actually surprised to see a statement come out of uh, Equality Florida. They have, they're an advocacy group within Florida, and they have issued an advisory to anyone from outside of Florida, and I'll read it here. Today, Equality Florida took the extraordinary step of issuing a travel advisory, warning of the risks posed to the health, safety, and freedom of those considering short or long-term travel or relocation to the state. The move comes in response to a wave of safety inquiries that Equality Florida has received following the passage of laws that are hostile to the LGBT community, restrict access to reproductive health care, repeal gun safety laws, foment racial prejudice, and attack public education. Uh, the executive director of Equality Florida goes on and say that they've spent decades working to improve Florida's reputation uh, and have lost confidence in it. I think what really jumps out at me is when equality organizations in a state are issuing travel advisories telling people to not come and visit. I think that that is uh, an extreme situation that we that we find ourselves in. But it's not all it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, there was a uh, there was an attack at Times Square where a gay couple was savagely beaten in front of a large crowd um, that is raising concerns in New York City. Um, but yes, I'm going to jump to a song whilst I find some good news because <laughs> we've been diving into some of the uh, the news out of the United States and it's very difficult to find uh, a silver lining uh, amongst the, the the stories that are originating there. So we are going to uh, to to work on that. But for now, we'll be moving to our next track. We are highlighting some new releases from Canadian uh, favorites. And uh, I think we just had Feist a little earlier with Of Womankind. And I think next up, if I recall correctly, uh, we have uh, the new track by Rufus Wainwright. Now, I'm usually not the biggest fan of Rufus Wainwright. I find, um, as I'm sure I think I've mentioned in the past, um, it's it can be a little... Not as lively as I as I usually tend to uh, to prefer, but this new track featuring John Legend, "Heading for Home," is an excellent new uh, release by Rufus Wainwright, uh, obviously openly gay and Canadian. So this is a great track by Rufus Wainwright featuring John Legend. This is "Heading for Home," and we will be back with hopefully some good news just after this.
my face to the sky, my back to the wind. Winters entering my bones. For the day has been long, and night's drawing in. And I'm thinking of heading for home. Yeah, I'm thinking of heading for home. The cradle and the grave, the fruit and the seed, the seasons mirror my own. The geese flying south are calling to me, and I'm thinking of Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm thinking of Edinburgh. Always on the move, the banner unfurled. Yet gathering my. I sing for the children and cry for the world. And I'm thinking of heading for home. Yeah, I'm thinking of heading for Hello and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Dear Luke Smith and frolicking in the tulips in the Netherlands is Sebastian Plant, who was unable to make it today. 
uh, on account of his tulip-based frolicking. Now, I did promise just before we had that great new track by Rufus Wainwright, uh, the heading for home featuring John Legend, uh, some good news. And uh, we we did some digging and we found some good news for the LGBTQ plus community. And that is anyone planning a trip to the Cook Islands uh, may be pleased to see that the Cook Islands have repealed provisions in their Crimes Act, the Crimes Act 1969 in, in the Cook Islands, effectively decriminalizing homosexuality in the legislation. Now, our understanding is that... Uh, this 1969 uh, legislation hasn't necessarily been enforced for a while, which is fantastic. Uh, but the Crimes Sexual Amen uh, Offences Amendment Bill 2023 was just passed on Friday. Uh, prior to that, uh, there was a potential for a jail, a five-year jail sentence for men engaging in, quote, indecent acts with other men. Um and yeah, no, this is a historical day for the Cook Islands. Uh, the Prime Minister noted that, uh, and I quote here, my party has fulfilled its pledge to stomp out discrimination of the LGBT community in our society and to uphold our constitutional commitment to human rights. Uh, he posted on Facebook. So yeah, this is uh, excellent news uh, that uh, anyone visiting the Cook Islands now doesn't have the threat of a five-year jail term for uh, anyone planning to have quote-unquote, indecent acts. Sticking to the theme of... Well, this one's not as obviously good news, uh, but uh, we had kept an eye on a news story a few years ago of a gentleman called uh, Hamdi al Qudzi, and I uh, apologize if I mispronounced that name. He was the leader of the terrorist group Shura, and he has been sentenced to 15 years in jail in Australia. He was based in Sydney. Now, initially, the Shira group, a terrorist group in Australia, had been planning to send uh, recruits from uh, Australia to train with ISIS and then fight in the Syrian war. Australian authorities were quite effective at stopping that from happening. And uh, the Shura terror group uh, pivoted, as they would, and decided to target a number of more uh, more uh, available targets within Australia, which included the courthouses and the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, which was the uh, one of the largest LGBTQ ce celebrations um, in in the world. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a plan in place to bomb the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Uh, with you know, at the hands of this uh, terror group, uh, the leader of which, as I mentioned earlier, was just sentenced to 15 years in jail um, for his part in that. And then the other great news is, you know, this is sort of uh, good news in the making. We often like to share some of these upcoming good news stories as we keep an eye on things. Vietnam, there is a member, a lawmaker. Nguyen Anchi, who has proposed to the Standing Committee of the National Assembly in Vietnam uh, a new law that would make it uh, much easier for the Vietnamese to be able to change their gender identity on legal documents. Now, what we've mentioned before 
is that in many countries, uh, homosexuality or gender identity just frankly has never come up. It's not been, uh, maybe they weren't, uh, didn't have colonial area laws imposed on them, or they had been repealed en masse once they became independent. But Vietnam is an excellent example of that, of a country where there just frankly is nothing on the books. It's never been illegal, but it's never been explicitly legal either. Now, in 2015, Vietnam did introduce uh, marriage equality, which is, well, they effectively removed the ban on same-sex marriage. And this new law does potentially uh, cover some of the same ground as an existing law that uh, they are, uh, quote-unquote, studying, uh, and that is the gender affirmation law. So there is a, a bit of a, a question mark as to whether or not the two will be combined, um, the lawmaker in question said that the government uh, appeared to be on board and seemed to reflect an effort by the Southeast Asian state to be more welcoming to LGBT folks and uh, potentially uh, become a bit of a refuge for um, tourism in the area as well, which is uh, very encouraging. In less uh, exciting news, in Hungary, in Europe... They have recently passed a new law. Uh, this law specifies that Hungarians can now report without consequence people who have contested, and I quote here, the constitutionally recognized role of marriage and family. Now, this is being effectively uh, nicknamed uh, the snitching bill um, as it enables uh, people to report their friends, well, maybe not friends at this point, their families, neighbors, uh, what have you, for anyone that uh, promotes things outside of the constitutional understanding of a marriage, which is between one man and one woman, and of course, the mother of being a woman and the father being a man. Uh, the really, con the great concern here is that anyone in Hungary who is not a straight cisgendered couple uh, may now become the target of people filing police reports against them for raising children outside of a male-female relationship um, or even being in a non-male-female relationship. It's worth noting that Hungary is currently in the midst of a uh, European Commission case. Uh, it's about 22 billion euros being held from Hungary by the European Commission as the case is ongoing under their, quote, no-say-gay law, which is the anti-gay propaganda law in Hungary, uh, effectively banning uh, the teaching of uh, non-straight sexualities to anyone under the age of 18. Fifteen countries have now joined the commission in that court case, including both Germany and France. So it is very likely that uh, with with the heavyweights, I know Ireland joined quite early in that, uh, that uh, case, um, but including there is Belgium, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Denmark, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, Slovenia, Finland, and as I mentioned, France and Germany. The issue, uh, with only a, a couple of minutes uh, left on the clock here, the issue with these Hungarian laws is that Hungary, being a part of the EU, is uh, obviously required to play by European rules, and there is a sense that these laws 
do not, and that they discriminate against people based on their sexual orientation or gender identity, contrary to European law. Um, and if they want to be in the club, they have to play by the club rules. Uh, this seems to be a similar theme to what we were saying earlier in terms of Fox News being carried by Canadian broadcasters. Obviously, they will need to play by Canadian laws. Uh, well, I, if you have any thoughts on today's message, uh, today's conversation, you can tweet us at TalkCanQueer, at least whilst Twitter continues to exist. And uh, we will be keeping an eye on other ones. I did also, the last story I wanted to mention is a bit of an update on Mr. Beast. Now, our listeners are probably aware that Mr. Beast is... I think he's the world's largest YouTuber in terms of audience, and uh, he has come out as definitively defending uh, Chris, the longtime cast member of Mr. Beast, uh, the channel, and uh, has certainly looked to defend uh, the, really the, the vitriolic backlash uh, that has emerged. Uh, behind Chris, the, the long-term cast member. Um, we are going to be playing out with the Prodigal Daughter D-Ed version from Lights. This is a new release version of uh, one of Lights' most uh, popular songs, but uh, I don't know if we've necessarily heard this rendition of it before. This is Lights, uh, Prodigal Daughter by Lights, and we will be back next week on Kangri, home of Canada's Korea Media. Thank you for listening. Walking, you don't go looking for the truth.